listening to The Alex Spicer Show, where we like to focus on God, family, freedom, and religion, and discuss the true principles that ensure our happiness and our success in light of current and historical events. For today's episode, I met with Ryan King. He's actually a cousin of mine and a veteran in Iraq and Afghanistan, and uh, I I wanted his perspective because we had been texting back and forth and uh, ever since the Afghanistan thing. Well, we text all the time, but uh, specifically about the Afghanistan debacle lately. And he had said some things that really got me thinking because um, his perspective was quite different. Um, and actually, in the beginning, what he shares here is, is a bit shocking because um, you never realize just how, you know, just how we are influenced by the media and how our minds only focus upon something if we're pointed in that direction. Uh, but anyways, I hope you enjoy what he has to share here. Uh, I find it very insightful and also it it's helpful for us to reflect upon just really where do our priorities lie with all of this. Without further ado, here's the interview with Ryan King. I found that I'm just, it has been very depressing for me to see all that has been happening in Afghanistan. Um, and maybe, maybe this just shows my privilege as an American, but you know, I never once felt such a connection to anything in Afghanistan other than I had you, you know, uh, who had served there, but like to, for me to really empathize and feel with people, I feel like maybe that just didn't come until I finally grew up enough. Right. It came a time where I'm like, I have kids now. I realize people's plights are more serious. I don't know. That's 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 how I'm doing. I I am I I am kind of sad saddened by the whole situation. But how are you doing? Well, pretty much the same thing. I've been. I don't know if sad would be the right, the right word. I mean, that's definitely part of it. But uh, probably just mostly anger. Towards, I don't know, just like everything, it seems like. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, just, I don't know. Tired of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I imagine it's, it's, it's most especially emotionally exhausting for you because um, it sounds like for, for the most part, you at least from what I could tell, it sounded like you had for the most part gotten past Afghanistan and your war experience because it had really wrecked you. Right. Um, but it sounded like you had gotten through it pretty well. Is this kind of like, you know, yanking the scab off an old wound or, or how is it? For uh, no, it's, it's kind of hard to explain it, I suppose. Um, I, I, I mean, I guess I, I wouldn't really say it, you know, totally wrecked me as far as my combat experiences. It was more of the coming home part of it that I think was really hard to, to deal with. Um, and a lot of that was dealing with basically being forgotten, right? For the most part, you know, nobody, nobody really cared about Afghanistan after, I don't know, I'd probably say 
05, 06 maybe, because Iraq was, was going crazy. Um, you know, that was kind of the whole, that was stealing the show, I guess you could say, and that had a lot of the focus. True. And uh, so I think right now, um, I think just, uh, we've kind of talked about this before, but right now what's what's making me kind of like I just want to choke slam people is is just it's like all of a sudden they seem to want to care about it you know and care about you know the interpreters care about the you know Afghan guys that were legit um, you know the people you know oh we care about the people and like man you guys haven't said a word about Afghanistan for years true and so i guess you know i i know what smoke being blown up my butt feels like because i've had it for years with the military kind of stuff and then just seeing it with this administration and with the news and all this stuff like i know you really don't care i know you don't in my opinion of course this is all in my narrow viewed opinion i suppose oh sure sure but uh it's just they don't they don't care and and to me their actions uh say as much you know i i think you're right and i think um so so coming from from my position right as someone like me who uh i I'm I'm like the typical American who is just as uninformed about the Middle East as everyone else, and <clears throat> excuse me, for me to see um, to see this right, I would definitely be one of those people. Which it is easy to be angry towards uh, for veterans because it's like I didn't really care, didn't fully care. I mean, I cared what was happening to our troops. I didn't really care about the people there so much until I became informed that about things like, oh, did you realize that like there's been like 60,000 deaths uh, from Afghani military involvement, right, of them trying to help and be a part of the American forces? It's like, hold on, that's a ginormous sacrifice. Like that's, that's, that's not something small, right? Like that's huge. Um, learning about like, oh, there were tens of thousands or, or maybe over 100,000 people who were helping the Americans, I never realized it was that interwoven with the people. And so this conflict has made me realize, wow, this is something that I myself and other people should have cared about this whole time. <laughs> but, you know, we, we get blown about by the winds of media. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and then and then, uh, <clears throat> you know, nobody really cares to listen to the guys coming home, you know, unless it's some kind of amazing war story. You know, like you might see in the in the movies as of, you know, the last five, ten years, you know, those kinds of experiences. Nothing against those experiences. I think it's it's great that these stories are being told, but you need to, you know, people should be hearing about all of it, I guess. Not just the, you know, the, hey, that's that's a crazy cool story. That's, you know, it's sad, but it's cool. But, but yeah, no, um the um yeah i mean 60,000 killed trying to help us at least you know as far as afghan troops goes to our what like 2300 or something like that like over 20 years like that's pretty crazy 
Um, and so again, like where was all the support, where was all the, all that stuff over the last 20 years, like all of a sudden it's within three weeks, it's, we got to help Afghanis. We got to help, you know, the military over there and this and that, man, we could have used that freaking 19 years ago when we started this whole thing, you know? So, (laughs) so I I don't know. It was just. So. So do you, um, why do you think there wasn't much care for it? I, I, I will say you're right. 19 years ago, because for at least the first year it did, it did matter to the people. I recall mm-hmm. being, you know, a little elementary school student in our, in our principal saying, Hey, the war going on in Afghanistan has left a lot of kids without, you know, they don't have a lot of materials don't have a lot of clothes or anything like that. Please donate. And I remember, you know, being a poor farm boy, being like, yeah, and you know, and, and donating some some stuff at the school so that way they could ship it mm-hmm. across seas. But honestly, that's like the last real personal attachment and or involvement with uh, uh on my part with Afghanistan. Uh, that that was the last time. I mean, you know, that's two thousand two, I suppose, which is uh which is crazy. Now you you served how many tours uh in Afghanistan again, or, or tours, then also years for those of us who don't understand how long a tour is. <laughs> So, um, so my total military time was seven years active duty, three years in the guard, uh, 2006 to 2016. Uh, I did a 15 month tour to Iraq in, oh man, uh, 07, 08, and then a year in Afghanistan from, uh, 11 to 12. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> so l- let me understand uh, a little more clearly because in our in our previous um, texting between each other, um, you had mentioned that the the people situation out there is quite different than we think, right? So um, it sounds like, and, and please correct me where I where I'm totally wrong here, but based on what I've heard from you, but also based on what I'm, I hear from the media there's like a split between people, those people who are genuine, genuinely good, who have swallowed the, the, the cultural and, and political idea of Americanism for the most part, or at least they help us and they've been decently loyal. And then you have the other people who are just very two faced about it all. They're there just cause they want the benefits and they'll stab you in the back. Um, is that pretty accurate that you kind of have that, that um, divergence of, of people there, a dichotomy there? I'd, I'd say you're missing a third group. Um, the ones that just have no idea and don't care. Um, and that to me, in my experience anyways, was the bulk of the civilian population. You know, you had, you had the ones that cared that were really trying to help. Um, and those were the guys that the majority, I think, again, this is my limited experience of only one year of dealing with these guys. You know, there's a lot of other guys that dealt a lot with training the Afghan forces and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we were, I was out in the boonies, uh, outside of Kandahar, South, South Afghanistan. Um, but yeah, so I, I remember basically three groups. You had the ones that really cared and wanted to do something and try to help their country. Uh, you had the ones that joined up basically to get military, style training and then t- 
turn against you. Um, and then you had the civilian population, which to me just seemed like they didn't really care. They were just kind of highest bidder. Um, you know, they would, they would try to find old Russian mortars and mines and say that, you know, we blew them up so that we had to give them food and money and stuff like that when we, you know, hadn't shot that day or or the last few days. They'd be like, yeah, well, you guys shot us with this. And so they just wanted the money and the the handouts. Um, And then they, I don't know, it was kind of whoever threatened them the most and whoever gave them the most money is where their allegiance went. So in in my experiences, those were the the three main groups. (laughs) Would you say perhaps though the most dangerous is the indifferent group because they'll easily jump and join sides with whatever's most convenient? Uh, I wouldn't say they were the most dangerous group. They were just the hardest to work with. <laughs> uh, at least if the guy, you know, I should say there's a fourth group, the actual enemy that will fight you. Um, yeah, sure. So the the guys that will fight you, they're the easiest to deal with. The uh, the Afghan military and police forces that did want to work with you, you had to deal with just their previous lifestyle and trying to change that. You know, like it's just the concept of military discipline and stuff like that didn't really reach everybody. Um, then of course you had to worry about the uh the guys that would turn around and do something to you um i'm trying to think how prevalent was that threat the 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 guys that would turn around and do something to you um we saw it a little bit here and there uh not to mention some dudes were just wild cards you didn't know what they were gonna do you know we had a guy that he was an afghan commander at some level i can't remember what it was but he just went off on his own and started uh, going after, uh, you know, Taliban people and their families. But he was kind of going rogue, you know, kind of like Batman vigilante. And <laughs> so <laughs> oh, no. that, that ended badly. And then actually at the, the very end of my deployment, uh, we were switching out with the unit coming in. And I had already left and went to the Kandahar airfield, um, our, our little outpost was, uh, insider attacked from a dude that we had had with us the whole deployment and a guy that was supposed to be a teacher for the schools that we had built, which the kids had burned down and they, they attacked our little outpost and killed killed two guys and wounded another two or three of ours. And that was like the very last of our deployment. So it was like, wow, we sure did like, (laughs) I don't know. It was very, uh, very weird, I guess. It it makes, would you say, would you say it makes it, makes it feel like a lot of your efforts were just kind of like, what was the point? What was the point if they were just going to, Oh yeah, definitely. Turn on us in the end, and also burn the schools down. Oh, definitely. I mean, and that's another thing that kind of. I'm. I'm cu- 
irks me right now. Uh, you know, everyone's, you know, wow, this was such a waste on the soldiers and in the Marines and airmen, and all these guys that, that went there. But, uh, you know, I could have told you that 10, 15 years ago. Um, why, why would they burn the schools down? I'm, I'm curious, like, like, like what would be the purpose in that or who, who was doing it? Well, the Taliban bribed the kids to do it. Oh. And, you know, I mean, what are the kids <laughs> right. going to do? Right? <laughs> really? Just like, wow. So, um, what I, what I thought was interesting, uh, if, if from the sounds of it, there are a good number of people out there who who made deep, sounds like lasting connections with those who were acted like interpreters, right? Who had helped us in a very deep way. They had really strong relationships with them, and they were desperate to try to get them out. And and yet, they're at the whims of the uh, <laughs> of the very capable Biden administration, uh, and, and in some cases, you know, didn't get rescued or actually got turned away, even though they'd already gotten inside, you know, the the whole airport. Um, what? What <laughs> do you make of the betrayal? Uh, of the American government against, well, let's say just just at least the American people, because we know that there's. They assure us in the low couple hundreds of people uh, left behind, of American citizens left behind. Uh, what do you make of that betrayal? Uh, that's that's probably the one of the hardest things right now for me, anyways. That's keeping me awake at night, I guess you could say. Um, it's not. I don't regret, you know, the time I spent over there and and the, the time I spent with my guys and all that, trying to do our job. And, um, but yeah, you, you can tell that, you know, it wasn't the troops that lost it. It was the suits that lost this one. Um, and that, that betrayal to me just shows how important it is that we elect people that know what the heck they're doing and actually understand foreign affairs, foreign policies, uh, especially electing a president that understands warfare to a certain degree as much as he can, you know, um, but relying on hopefully, you know, righteous generals and, and those guys, you know, the Joint Chief of Staffs and all those guys, they're military commanders, you know. Um, and that's that's another one that's kind of, I wouldn't call it baffling, but that I'm hating to see is I know these generals are under, they've got to be under such pressure from Biden and then, you know, in his administration, and then obviously, you know, their own troops, but you know, if if they're putting up the good fight and and they were just ignored, okay, that's one thing. But hopefully, they come out about that kind of stuff. Um, but if they didn't stand up for it, that just that just kind of salt in the wound, I think, from 
from all of this stuff because it's oh, yeah. it's just the you know as the lower enlisted kind of guy you're looking for that kind of leadership to you know I, I, it's hard to explain it I guess sometimes um, you're looking to be led the right way and no, it's just, I, I, you're not I, seeing I, I get it. what you're saying <laughs> for sure yeah you well, I, I've actually was amazed that there wasn't, I thought maybe there had to have been some on the in, inside, like you were saying that were being ignored, but then we're not hearing Jack Diddley squat. It's like, wow, this is really quiet now. Now why, why would they remain quiet? For me? I, I, I mean, maybe if this is a fool's hope, it really is. But sometimes <laughs> I always hope deep down inside that maybe there were a few good ones. And the only reason why they say nothing is because there's a larger picture or plan at state at play here and they have to remain nestled in their position without giving themselves away in order to um, ensure the righteousness, uh, you know, righteous causes do happen later. I don't know because in my mind, I'm like, that's the only reason why you should ever keep your mouth shut on this. If, if like maybe you're in a way clandestine in your own organization <laughs> and you're trying to influence it for the better. And there's, there's larger things at stake here. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have to keep, keep your mouth shut there. But like, th- that's such a far-fetched idea. I know it's, it's a, it's a pipe dream <laughs> to imagine <laughs> it, that it's like in the end, there really should have been some voices out there that said, this is, this is wrong. Yeah, don't, don't the, you think? I think in the in the absolutely, and in the grand scheme of the timeline here, where it's still pretty fresh, um, and uh, unfortunately, it kind of works against us, uh, us in the terms of people that actually try to do right by the law. Um, you know, you're trying to gather all that correct information so you can present it correctly, so that the courts can, you know make their clear decisions kind of stuff, you know, all that kind of, you know, lawyer jargon and all that kind of garbage. Um, but I know, <laughs> uh, representative, uh, or what's his name? Is it? I always get him mixed up if he's a congressman or a Senator. I think he's a congressman, but Dan Crenshaw. Um, I know he, I saw him talking earlier today about oh, yeah. basically like a whistleblower hotline that goes directly to him and his lawyers that they're setting up for this exact stuff going on right now. Um, so hopefully people will come forth with some information about Interesting. stuff. So. You would hope so, but he- here's my, this is, this is where I feel far less hopeful. And that is <laughs> we saw what happened with the election that you had, you had courts that would not even look at the evidence. I hate it when people say there clearly wasn't enough evidence or something would have happened. It's like, you can't say Jack squat unless a court actually looked at all the evidence available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They wouldn't even let it um, be presented. You have the Supreme court say we're exactly like, we're not even going to look at, we're not gonna look at the evidences. We're not gonna let it be presented. Uh, no, thank you. Right. When you have that happen <laughs> all the way up the chain, I just feel like you have, you have a, uh, a judicial system um, tainted with cowardice. So what, and what good will, will, I mean, Dan Crenshaw, I'm glad he's doing that um, because we need people who are willing to do the good thing, at least if nothing else to provide hope. But in the end, what good is that going to do when uh, the judicial system is tainted with cowardice and also the other branches of government are controlled by progressives? 
yeah, that's, that's where I'm like, where, where is this going to lead? Now I will say, let me know what your thoughts are on this, but this is what, this has kind of been tickling the back of my mind ever since the whole Afghanistan debacle started happening. And that was, this is actually a good thing. And here's what I mean by that. It's a good thing because it is causing so many people to wake up and realize just how corrupt our government is, just how wrong this all is. I mean, we've seen people within the media and across the spectrum who have been progressive and and, and I shut to all other facts literally be like, this is wrong and, and be upset about it, right? <laughs> I feel like you have a lot of people across the, across the United States who are definitely starting to wake up a bit more in light. And hopefully that means that their hearts will be open to truth. Right. And, and I mean, truth in a couple of ways, like truth as in gospel truths, the truths that um, last for eternity, that, that circle around human behavior and human salvation and a uh, temporal and spiritual, but also truth as in facts as in like, Hey, this is, this is wrong. Uh, this, this is contradictory to, to the, principles i believed in but then hadn't realized i was living contrary to because i supported people like this i can't do so blindly anymore <laughs> that, that's what i feel like it this whole debacle has created a, a, a movement of people waking up and i'm hoping it continues to happen that biden can continue to suck so bad that people continue to wake up more and more and go holy moly like what what's going on? Like, why, why, how is this America anymore? Because basically everyone on the right side has been feeling like that for a while now. <laughs> so I, I suppose this might be some of my own personal issues, but uh, I don't really carry a lot of hope with this kind of stuff anymore. Um, I, I want to have that hope. But uh, it's just, there's been so many other things where I've been like, man, how are people not waking up to this? How are people not catching on, you know? And I, I, I guarantee you it's going to take, I don't know, maybe till the rest of this year and nobody's going to remember it. I think it's going to be, you know, you might see it on Fox News, just like everything else, right? Fox News, Daily Wire, like the big conservative ones, they're going to keep talking and talking and talking about it. That's great. But nothing's going to happen in the government. Nothing's going to change. And the voters, you know, I, I just think they're going to be scared about getting, you know, having somebody like Trump in there again. And so they're not going to, they're just, I don't know, maybe more of the moderates are going to be a little paying more attention but I I don't know. I I don't feel like much is going to change, honestly. <laughs> Not to be doom and gloom here, but sure. <laughs> I just, I don't see it because there's, there's <laughs> been okay. so many other, other things that are just, so. <laughs> it's okay. You just doused my candle with a big bucket of water. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I think, um, <laughs> <laughs> this uh you have a point right like in many ways this will be forgotten what i've come to realize more and more um especially as i spoke with braver angels 
um, to recognize just how emotionally based people are. There's the large people who are purely caught up in the emotion. Especially and the people that are in government right not, now. That's right. And, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not that sort of a person. They are. Yeah. But the thing is, you have the electorate, those moderates and, and people who may have been more left of moderate, who have been more emotional, who they, they felt the emotion of this Afghanistan situation so strongly that they that they have, they're not likely to forget it. I mean, like I said, I'm not one who gets emotional uh, really easily, but legitimately, this Afghanistan situation did strike to my heart pretty strongly. And I think if they can do that to a heartless wretch like me, it's, it must have done something uh, to to people who are uh, more who who have uh, more tender hearts than I. At least that, that that's my thought. That's that's the hope here. Um, but why why do you think, Ryan? Why do you think that uh, that our our government leaders can become so detached like this, like? What 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 have we the people not done? You know, uh, the, the you know what what sin of uh, omission did we did we uh, have that caused our government to be so unchecked and, and to be so off the rails in this way? Laziness and uh, what's the word? Um, man, why can't I think of the word? Decadence. No. Um, just as, as a society, I think we've just become so complacent and, uh, most, most people in the military, especially guys that were infantry or whatever like that, but a very common phrase was complacency kills, you know, don't get comfortable, always be on guard, always be looking out, um, notice things when they should be noticed, stuff out of the ordinary, um, and I think just we got so the United States just got so filled with good times, you know, good times create soft people that just we let government walk all over us and nobody really cared. It all became about I like him because, you know, he's friends with this guy or I, I think of Obama. Right. And just how did he win his two elections? Basically, Facebook and being a popular per- person that was it you know um yeah yep and that was that was it i mean i didn't for, well for being black well that right? too he was yeah. novelty he was he was this great he was this great idea of like hey we're gonna get we're gonna extricate from ourselves racism that has always been among us by electing a black guy which in and of itself is a racist reason to vote <laughs> for some <laughs> yeah definitely is and so I think just it's just stuff, petty things like that, that we weren't thinking on the bigger picture kind of stuff. And uh, we got complacent. And, you know, a lot of people that I talk to that are, you know, more conservative and stuff, we just want to be left alone and live our lives, not be bothered by all this stuff. But, you know, so now we got to catch up to that and everything. And then, uh, yeah, it's just complacency is the main the main thing that brought us to this situation, I think. I think you're right. Uh, complacency does kill. Complacency kills <laughs> your constitution. 
right? Um, like you said, like you always have to be at the ready. That was that's how you were trained, <clears throat> and and that's exactly how our founding fathers have that they they tried enshrining that into our culture and in our constitution that the people should always be standing at the ready because our, Amer- our America was was created by removing itself from tyranny, right? By saying this is no longer right. And then also saying, hey, technically, in a way, all governments are bad. And so everyone must be ready to, to throw off <laughs> tyrannical chains if they ever come about within your own government. And 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 now people there's so many people who, who don't get that right. They don't understand freedom. You know, the freedom must be uh, hard won, right? You, you must fight for it every day. Um, well, and I then think that... of that talk by uh, uh, oh, good. Oh no, I was just saying that's um, the uh, I think Afghanistan was a prime example of that. Same with Iraq, to some degree. Just the there were many that wanted it, but it just it it I don't know it. There was a lot more that didn't want it to earn it themselves. You know, and uh, that's I think that's where the big problem was for them, in my experience, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you you actually have experience being on the ground there and knowing the people. I don't, right? I I can't try to romanticize uh, the the realities there because that that's disingenuous. Um, well, there's so, nothing romantic about that place. I, I, I think about how. <laughs> um, well, you never, you never know. You never know. There, there could have been someone who who fell in love with with a with a Kurd or something. <laughs> uh, but uh, here's something I find is interesting: is we're looking at uh, the other Western nations around the world. So in terms of how, how, you know, we can get complacent and suddenly our freedom is gone. Well, look at all the Western nations who did not have a history and a, and a, and a, a historical story and culture where it was like, Hey, we came out of this thing as in, it was a tyrannical government. We made freedom, but freedom must be, you must have a spear in your hand at all times to do, to ward off the wolves that would, that would, uh, rob, rob you for, uh, of your freedom but you have all these Western countries who don't understand that concept. And now under the guise of, a uh, of COVID-19 emergency, they, they don't have freedoms anymore. Yep. They, I, I think of like Australia, right? Australia, they, excuse me, I got hiccups here and I'm trying not to die. <gasps> ah, um, <laughs> Australia, they, they're being locked down like crazy. Mm-hmm. when it doesn't make any sense to they, they they can't come out of their homes uh they they can't even resume work if the government says hey uh actually you're a journalist you can't leave your home and report on this protest you've been banned from all protesting it's like well i can't do my job then they're like i don't care right it, it's yeah. it's really i mean it's 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 good to see that the people are getting so fed up they're 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 going in the streets. You see this in England. You see this in France, Italy, Australia, where they are literally gathering gathering in the streets and protesting in large numbers. But at the same time, I mean, 
uh, the, the rancher who sees all of his sheep come buying at him angrily because they want more hay or, or, you know, they, they don't want the pasture to be as small at, at no point does the, does the rancher go, Oh dang, they're going to overwhelm me. He just gets in his tractor or, or, or on his horse with his dogs and nips them into shape, right? Like, like at no point did, do they really enact the change that they're going to want because they are, they're, they're dog without teeth. They're, they're sheep at, at that point. Does that make sense? Or maybe that's too harsh. Uh, <laughs> how, how would, how would you um, summarize the situation that they're going through right now? I, I think that's a pretty good, uh, I think that's a pretty good analogy. Um <laughs> Like we were saying, just this stuff's got to be, got to be earned. Freedom's got to be earned and kept, and people have lost what that means. Um, especially in the United States, I think for sure, there's still a good chunk that know what it means, but and, and it is it is changing. But uh, like you were saying, I think those a lot of the other countries don't come from that same kind of background as we do. And uh, maybe the stubborn and, and the, uh, yeah, I'll just call it stubbornness, I guess, of, of not taking crap from people that say they're better than us. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how else to really say that one. I don't know. I think I answered your question. <laughs> Let me ask you a historical question. You 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 seem to understand um, military history pretty well, especially of World War II, from from what I recall. Um, here's what I found fascinating: uh, World War II. I mean, I guess all military history. There, there's politicization of the process, and anytime you enter politics into war, the cost is human life. It, it always it always amounts to not necessarily dollars, but definitely human life. Um, and it seemed like even though that happened from time to time, I, I, for example, I think of um, General Patton trying to do his job at Sicily and other places, and they want to keep giving the British uh, generals a chance to, you know, to to do their part and to shine. When it's like, well, but like, is this about winning or is this about you know looking looking fancy, you know, looking good in front of people? Like, like you know, we have a job to do. I feel like. The, that amount of politicization where even though that was happening, you still had the generals themselves making a lot of the decisions themselves. They assessed the situation. They'd go forth and do. Now they had intelligence they worked with, but it sounds like now you have people who are so detached from the situation, AKA the, uh, the Biden administration or, or any administration doesn't matter who they are so detached yet. They are given so much, um, power to call all the shots. In fact, those in the field who should be calling the shots more readily are waiting to take orders from those uh, who who are so de- so detached and who don't understand war. Would you say that's a fair assessment, or would you say um, there's an element maybe I, I, I'm missing here? Um, that's definitely a very deep. Uh, there's a lot of layers to to that kind of connection from. Washington to commanders in the field, you know, depending on what, uh, you know, what troop organization they're talking to. But um, there was definitely, even from the beginning, from 2001, there was a whole lot of uh, micromanagement, I feel. And it just got worse as the years went on. Um, 
from the suits in Washington. And this is where I get a little bit of hope. But why? Can, can you answer that? Can you answer why? Why would they micromanage like that? I have no idea. I think they just, they enjoy their positions and just felt like, you know, they needed to, I, I really don't know. I could, just, I could speculate all day on that one, but uh, I can tell you that it was wrong <laughs> uh, to some degrees. You know, there was a lot of times in my own experiences that, you know, we had to take care of business and we weren't allowed to. And uh, you definitely see that with this ending of Afghanistan, just, I don't know. And this is why, in my opinion, anyone who's going to become president has to have served in the military. Um, I don't care if it was, you know, the Air National Guard or friggin' whatever. I'll, I'll poke fun at the Coast Guard because everybody pokes fun at the Coast Guard. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, no, I, I don't. If you've worn the uniform for real, you know, you've got a little bit more respect from a lot of people. But um, not that you need to go throwing that around. But that's a whole other thing about leadership. But um, the main point for me is all the politicians have had basically zero, other than a small handful that served in with like you know in Vietnam and. It may be Desert Storm, but, like, that's a huge separation, I think, from people knowing military and people not knowing military. Um, Yes, you have the chief of staff and all this kind of stuff, and they're supposed to be listened to and all this kind of stuff. But they're in Washington a lot of the times. Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place with this answer. Um... (laughs) get myself back on track here but basically it's just that micromanager there because i think they were afraid of you know being looked at as you know the bad you know the bad occupying united states forces and all this kind of i don't know what their reasoning really was but is is i know it sucked <laughs> i don't know if i'm answering your question at this point <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like um. Well, actually, let me ask you. We are now seeing the radicalization, uh, the the purging actually, of uh, of of our forces, both military and within government. You know, CIA, FBI, and and it's even happening at the local police force level. Um, did you see any of that going on while you were in the military or, uh, and, um, uh, if you did, what, what, what did you see? Um, there wasn't a whole lot at that point yet. They were just starting to let, um, some female soldiers into like infantry units and stuff like that. Um, just as I was getting out or off of active duty, I should say. This was 2012, 2013. I remember we had a couple of female, or a couple of female officers. They weren't infantry, but they were on staff um, at a certain level. But, eh, I mean, I didn't see a whole lot of anything too crazy. Um, 
But, I mean, it doesn't take very long, right? To uh, just all of a sudden, hey, you got to do this and do that. And you got to get this kind of training and this kind of training. And I, I, why, I don't know. You know, in Afghanistan, I was serving with a couple of guys that were they're openly gay. We didn't have a problem because we were focused on the mission. I served with every, just about sure. every, every uh, race you could think of, you know, in that melting pot that makes America. You know, we didn't have any problems. You know, I had a good friend of mine. He was from Georgia, black guy. Uh, you know, he got killed. And, uh, you know, we had Asian guys, Hispanic guys, and just, Everybody you can think of, you know, and it, it, it didn't matter because we just did our jobs and we did it for each other, you know, and, but then you get stuff like, you know, the whole race baiting race war kind of crap that Obama pushed. And now the Democrats are pushing big time, you know, using the classic, uh, technique of divide and conquer, right? You can split the people, polarize the people like they have been. Yeah especially with the ultimate uh, card of, uh, you know, race, right? Oh, you're just racist. You're this, that, blah, 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 blah. So, but no, in the military, I didn't see too much of that. With, um, with what's happening now, do you fear the military could be so well purged that, uh, that they no longer will recognize American citizen from foe, that they would follow through on, on orders that violate the constitution and that uh, violate the rights of the citizens they are sworn to protect. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, we almost saw some of that on the inauguration day with, you know, with Biden, right? 26,000 troops surrounding the Capitol. And then he only sends 5,000 to protect Afghanistan you know, Kabul airport, like, mm, what are you really going to use the military for here, dude? Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I was watching something the other day. It was, uh, what the heck's his name? Is it Blinken? They were giving their daily reports on Afghanistan, their press briefings, yeah. right? And it was Blinken, Anthony Blinken, or whatever his name is. And, uh, here they were talking about, uh, the mandatory, uh, COVID vaccinations in the military. And, um, he was talking about, and I, I'm, I'm actually surprised I haven't seen anything yet about this as far as any kind of outrage, but he was, he asked the question about, you know, what's going to happen to the troops that don't take the vaccine? And he said, well, I'm going to paraphrase of course, but he said, basically, you know, they'll get sent to a doctor to explain to them the benefits of the vaccine and the, uh, the downfalls of not getting the vaccine, right? And then they'll, you know, and if they still don't want it, they'll get sent to their, you know, some kind of level of leadership to explain to them how they are deteriorating the effectiveness of their group, their team, their unit, you know, their 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 fighting capability will be diminished and all this kind of stuff because they're not getting a vaccine. But then he goes on to say, and this this has always irked me when someone assumes what I'm going to do just because, you know, I'm under them technically. Right. 
or you know just yeah. because just because they say so. But he goes on to say, um, you know, oh, I, I think all the soldiers, all the troops are going to get it because you know if they're if they're good soldiers, you know they follow orders, and these are lawful orders. The the mandatory vaccine. He said that it was a lawful order to get the the vaccine, forced to get the vaccine, basically. And so I don't know why nobody else is freaked out about that one yet, because I was like, whoa, okay. So you can say anything's a lawful order, right? Apparently, but that's not up for you to decide. Like, that's yes, you don't go around questioning every order, you know, because like, oh, is this really a lawful order? Is this really a lawful order? You know, well, obviously, it doesn't get you very far as a unit. It just, it seemed when he said that, it was like, wow, you have just taken away everyone's, it's that spin, right? That, that twist on words, that spin on words that makes the person have to defend themselves instead of fighting the actual argument, you know? So I got to sit here and say, you know, as a white man, I have to argue why I'm not racist. You know, when someone just says, well, you're racist. No, let me point out the actual reasoning of whatever the argument might be instead of trying, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know when he said that, I was like, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how many people are going to be fighting potential, uh, you know, uh, UCMJ uniform code of military justice, you know, they're going to have to fight being demoted. They're going to have to fight possibly even being kicked out of the military because they won't take a vaccination. And so kind of like what you were saying, with even all the way down to local police forces, you know, a lot of guys can just say, well, I'm just following orders. They put, you know, because they're being threatened with their livelihood and their uh, integrity, you know, like, well, I'm not, I don't want my integrity being questioned. You know, I'm a good dude. I do my job. But at what point does that change? Right. We saw that kind of stuff with, Nazi Germany. I guarantee you there was a lot of people that didn't want to do those kinds of things as far as rounding up Jews, rounding up all these people that they would end up killing, you know, but a lot of them just said, well, we were kind of following orders and we didn't want to get killed. So I don't know where it's going to go, man. I mean, I, I would see, I can see, yeah, I can picture like, all the good guys leaving the military, the official United States military branches, because they don't want to deal with it. You know, you saw that Marine Lieutenant Colonel the other day. He's the only one that's been held uh, held accountable yeah. for anything, um, unfortunately. But uh, I think more people might go along with him, hopefully. But um, just... I think their goal might be, like you were saying, to purge out, you know, all the Trumpers that are that are racist in the military, like they were crying about before, <laughs> and then the, which was like ninety five percent of the military that voted for Trump or something like that. That might be a little high. I think it was like eighty something, but but still, like you know, they want to get rid of all those people. And then they have their own their own group kind of thing, right? Their own organized military of of baddies. But that's my rabbit hole if I ever want to go that way but <laughs> I'm, that's pretty far-fetched but 
So has been all this other stuff, you know, a lot of other things that people just thought would never happen. Like what bathroom do we use? I never thought that'd be a question I'd have to ask myself, you know, like, (laughs) or that people have to ask themselves. So I don't know. Sometimes anything's on the table and I don't know. It's crazy. (laughs) Well, you know, we're, we're in that, we're in that, the, those days where, you know, scripture is talked about that people would call evil good and good evil Mm -hmm. and there'd be great confusion. Right. And I feel like the, uh, the left is extremely good at creating confusion, create people, uh, uh, create confusion for people around what their identity is. They start identifying themselves by, by their sexual pleasures rather than just by, uh, you know, by, by their, maybe their friendship status or, or, you know, like things that matter more (laughs) than who you want to enjoy uh, time in a bed with. Right. Or or whatever else, right. Like, like like there's so many ways in which people have just become so indoctrinated that we speak complete, two completely different languages here. We have people who who speak, I guess you could say, almost like the old the old speech, where we we believe we have the conservative values, but more especially we we try to talk to people with the with a semblance of respect that we believe is mutual. Um, and, but the other half speaks a completely different language, where that belief that there is mutual respect does not exist because they don't hold anyone in any sort of respect, mm-hmm. unless they show that they are a, a member of the group, right? It, it, or at least a supporter uh, of the group that they're a part of, right? It, it, it is, oh, yeah. it really is a religion at that point, right? It, <laughs> where it's like, oh, well, it's hard for me to talk to you because do you believe like I do? You know, do, where, where's your purple heart or your black dot, right? Where's your rainbow flag? It's like, yeah, right. I, I don't have any of those, not because I hate those people, just because <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I love everyone. And I believe being an American is more important than, than worrying about my race or, or my sexual identity. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of crazy where you see all this stuff now too. And I think I told you about, uh, you know, I, I got a bunch of grief from some people on, on the, uh, on a comment I made on a, on a church post. Oh yeah. I do recall. And it was kind of like, whoa, Everybody just chill out for a minute, man. Like, holy cow. And, and I remember, and I can't remember exactly what it was I said, but it wasn't anything crazy. You know, I think the last part of what I said was, you know, everybody just love everybody. And they're like, whoa, well, you can't blah, 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 blah. And they'd like, you know, I remember one guy's comment was, stop, go repent. Like, okay. You know, I wasn't going to be disrespectful to him, but man, <laughs> some of these comments like, what are you guys talking about, man? You guys are out of your minds. And it was just like you're saying, like, it's a whole religion to these people. Just the way they do it. And one lady I was talking to on that same post, we were going back and forth. And, you know, uh, you know, I was just trying to have a civil discourse, nothing crazy. Like I wasn't bashing her about or anything, but. Of course, she was bashing me about anything I ever said. And she was talking about, oh, I'm getting my dissertation. and Or no, not dissertation. What the heck's it called? Whatever it was. She was doing the big... Uh, Speeches? No, she was doing her for graduate work or whatever. What the heck do you call that? 
Maybe this dissertation. I don't oh, remember. Oh yeah. It but, is uh, a dissertation. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, yeah. Her her big capstone event thing, whatever it is it's called. <laughs> and uh it was about critical race theory and all this stuff and and uh what worried me and I told her, I was like, Well what worries me is that you're not open to more than one side of this conversation than more than one line of thought. You're stuck on one train of thought here and you're I'm not saying it's the wrong train of thought. I'm not saying anything like that, but it's discouraging me when people are going for their, for their doctorates and going for whatever it is they're going for. And they're not taking in information from all angles, you know, yes, take it in and then filter it and keep what you want and keep what is true. But you know, she was doing all this stuff, but not taking in all the information. And so like you were saying, it's just, People will only sure. agree with you if, and only like you if you agree to the same things. Well, you know, along those lines, where taking taking all information right from all these different angles, then fill, and then basically you have to filter through it. The problem with that is we have been taught to suspend the very means by which by which we as human beings filter such information, and the, that that filter. You know, like the the means uh, of filtering happens to be uh, our religious beliefs, the system of beliefs that we live our lives by. The way, like what do we believe true principles are? And you know, we 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 allowed for years uh, people in the education system to to convince us you know, to 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 believe that in order for us to show our open mindedness, we have to say. Uh, nothing is certain. There is no such thing as these principles. Suspend them and just look at it all unbiasedly. It's like, well, saying that there's bias in that is not quite is not quite the same. Is not quite true. You're you're throwing you're conflating two different ideas there. But also, human beings cannot survive. You know, we can't think for ourselves without some sort of filter, and they know that. Like, and when I say they know that, what I mean is, maybe the people who came up with these ideas didn't know that. Maybe they did, but huh. I believe there's an evil force out there that is Satan. Uh, that's a true belief of mine, and he he inspires evil in people's hearts. And at least Satan knows that human beings don't we we don't take in information without a filter. And so when you convince people to suspend the filter they've been given, which allows them to understand and discern between right and wrong, truth and error. Then they go. They go. Well, what do I use? And then that's when these indoctrinated um, uh, professors and people in authority can step in and go, oh, "This is what you should use. It's it's so open minded and it's very good. It just says everything you've ever been taught is totally wrong, right? Uh, that's that's really what it comes down to. Eventually, they are given a filter to use um, that that will always sift them in the left direction." It, 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 and it's no longer about you know truth and error anymore. It's about you know what what is what is this communistic ideology say? Man, you know how to put it to words, man. <laughs> I'm just long-winded. <laughs> no, that I think you're exactly right, man. They... Well, Ryan, I. I've been curious. I wanted to know how, how have you and your family, and I mean the family you grew up with and the family you have now, but most especially the family you grew up with, who I'm more familiar with. How did you guys not fall into this indoctrination? I mean, I've seen 
multiple of your siblings go to many years of school. Uh, one of your siblings who has been in uh, going to school for his PhD for a long time now. How do they hold true? How do they not lose that filter? That is a good question. That that have to be something I'd have to talk to to them personally. Uh, for me, it was just not turning away from what I learned in the scriptures and what I learned about Christ and you know prophets of old and how they how they handled things. I'm not saying I. I'm definitely not comparing myself to any of them. I've definitely been, you know, coming up short on just about everything. <laughs> but um, it's the it's the the principle of teaching correct principles and governing for myself. Um, just not. I don't know. That's a good question, man. It's a good question. I'd, I'd love to give you a clearer answer on it, but I think it's just, it's a culmination of so many things. It's understanding history. It's understanding gospel. It's understanding just, uh, under trying to understand other people and their views. You know, it, like I was just saying, it, it's, taking in information and then filtering it as opposed to just blocking half of everything and saying, nah, that's just wrong. I'm not going to listen to any of it. Sure. You know, I, and I think most of my siblings are probably the same way as we all give people a pretty fair chance, you know, um, you know, you can, you can tell me that somebody's a moron as many times as you want, but until, I see them do something moronic. I've learned for myself, you know? <laughs> and so uh, I guess it was just kind of something yeah. like that, I suppose. And uh, I think well, that's, it's, that's incredible. I um, think it's uh, just, I, I... Oh, sorry. There's like a delay here, but uh, I think it was just going off of one of my favorite ideas, I guess is, is, under just merit of people what do they say and how do they follow it up with what they do and that's usually a pretty straightforward thing right like if you tell me one thing do something else i'm probably not going to listen to you anymore you know <laughs> and vice versa if it's they say something good yeah. <laughs> and they follow it up with good action good like, hey all right like i'll listen to you <laughs> so You, it's, it's obvious you were, you were definitely taught, both by good parents and, and also by by citing the scriptures through the Holy Ghost, that uh, how to discern, how to judge righteously, right? How to be able to know, this is this is how life should be lived, without becoming so open minded that our brains fall out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that's that's what I think. Um, I. Ryan, I really appreciate you taking the time to to chat with me here. I know it's really late where you're at, but um, if you if you had any any last thoughts, any any words of encouragement that you could oh. give to a nation right now who is a nation that is struggling, 
uh, <laughs> in many ways that you're very familiar with. What's what's at least one message you would give uh, the American people right now? Um, kind of like what we were just talking about, you know, taking information from as many sources as possible. That's very daunting, yes, but, you know, taking the information, mull it over, you know, don't make a decision right on the spot, unless it's obvious, but, you know, take in the, take in the information and judge for yourself you know, what, what feels right and what feels wrong. I mean, I think a lot of this stuff about Afghanistan is obviously because it's fresh is pretty clear example of, uh, lies and mistrust and all this other kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, just find it out for yourself. Don't shut out anybody. Take it in and, and decide what's best for you. Well, thank you for that. Uh, well, I, I appreciate all the time you've given me here. And for those of you listening, thank you for listening to the Alex Spicer show. I've been speaking with Ryan King, a uh, army veteran and a, a clear thinker. Uh, I, uh, he's much I don't know about that one. The way he thinks and talks <laughs> than I am. <laughs> clear thinking i don't know about that <laughs> well uh <laughs> clear as mud I'll tell you that yeah clear right hopefully mud, hopefully my hopefully my speaking <laughs> mine's, was, mine's was clear as malarkey <laughs> it sure was to me it sure was to me um and for those of you listening if you liked what you heard um please subscribe and leave a review. The more reviews and comments you leave, uh, the more that we're found by, by people who, who need to hear these messages. You know, this is, this is about a movement for freedom uh, that is deeper than political because politics is, is a much, uh, is a very surface level, a very surface layer um, compared to what is actually going on in, in individuals and communities. You know, it's much more spiritual. It is much more, uh, human nature oriented. Um, and, and the spiritual has a lot, has a lot of power over that to help us sway in the right direction. And uh, hopefully you've heard some of that here and you understand that, you know, we, we care deeply about the way America's going. And if you're listening to this, you do too. So if there's one thing, if it's one very small thing you can do to support people like Ryan and I subscribe to this channel, Leave a review, five-star review, because anything less would just be wrong. You know it. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, and <laughs> live free until next time. <laughs>